This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. We're getting an incredibly confusing new card type in March of the Machines. Uh, Kit, first of all, it's March of the Machine because all will be one. Secondly, are you honestly going to sit here and tell me that no one's behaving badly enough to make the top story this episode? I mean... Richard Garfield signed on to consult with something called Applied Primate about blockchain gaming, but that's not really in the world of magic per se. Applied Primate. I now am conjuring images of abysmally bad Twitter profile pics and NFTs. That can't be connected at all, right? I mean, all startups give their companies stupid names, but yes. Um, There are a whole bunch of breathless articles about it, but they're not terribly clear on what it actually does beyond that NFTs are going to be turned into an immersive game somehow. So are they grifters, true believers, or the unholy abomination that is both? Everyone's a grifter in NFT land. Mm. But as I said, that's not really magic proper. Sad as it is that our antecedents have been corrupted by the Phyrexians. I don't know that antecedents was the word you wanted there. And also, the Phyrexians aren't, you know, real. What words I'm using? And the Phyrexians are as real as the mana vortex. You know what? That's completely accurate. Convincing you of that was suspiciously easy. Are you sure you haven't got some of Sin's toxin on you? That's not even the correct game. Gate? What gate? Game. Do try to enunciate when you speak, please. Anyway, I'm sure someone somewhere in the world of magic is behaving badly, but they've managed not to cause a scandal about it. The reprieve is, I suppose, nice, but it's only a matter of time before something else dreadful happens, such as the way of the world. Thank you so much for this insight, Eeyore. I'm just realistic. No, you're just cynical. I am a paragon of grace and wisdom. Anyway, new card type. Tell us all about it. in which we ride forth to glorious combat, transforming, fighting, charging all the things until we have defeated our enemies. You know, kid, I was thinking maybe a tad more explanation and a tad less grandiosity or dramatism. You're no fun. Do I complain when you make puns? Without exception, yes. So you should be nicer about my fun, then. Anyway, battles. They're really getting a lot of mileage out of double-faced cards lately. These ones transform. They're oddly horizontal, and they have a life total. Well, okay, they have defense counters, which function much like loyalty counters. Once you've attacked them and removed all the defense counters, they transform. So, a lot like planeswalkers that your opponents can't use. These are also the first permanent type to have the front face be horizontal, unless you count plane chase planes, but those aren't really permanents. Battles are, in fact, sorcery speed cards. They do have subtypes, though so far all of the battles we've seen are sieges. When a siege enters the battlefield, the casting player chooses an opponent to defend it, 
And when the casting player defeats the battle, it transforms into whatever the second side may be. This creates some interesting choices for the opponent, who has to decide whether to defend the battle and risk losing creatures, or to not defend the battle and the opponent get what's on the other side. Battles can also be targeted by anything that says any target. And on that note, we do look forward to seeing how battles play out. Hopefully in the next Eldraine set, too, where they'd make, you know, thematic sense. And how would they make thematic sense? You know, knights in shining armor, battle steeds. In the wilds? Glory. Anyway, ISO, what's going on in the competitive sector? This week in competitive, regional championships have continued. In Ottawa, Felipe Garou emerged victorious on Monoweight Midrange, defeating Omar Belden on Esper Legends. Filling out the top eight were Alexander Hain on Esper Legends, Matthew Yakinova on Celestia Toxic, Ben Jung on Esper Legends, David Olson on Monoweight Midrange, Patrick Wu on Jeskai Control, and Mohamed Kadi on Rakdos Midrange. Esper Legends definitely seems to have had a good night. MTG China Open saw Yurin Jiang as regional champion on Monoweight Midrange. I'm seeing a theme here defeating Binja on Grixis midrange. Also in the top 8 were Lei Chong on Grixis midrange, Muhan Yu on Grixis midrange, Pak Manchan on Esper Legends, Tian Yo Wu on Grixis midrange, Yang Feng on Is It Power Stones, and Chuan Soon on Rakdos Reanimator. Two wins by Mono White midrange of the same weekend, it seems likely we'll see that deck again. The South American Magic Series Regional Championship did manage to break the streak, giving us Francisco Benitez on Domain Control, defeating Luis Gutierrez, who was on Mono White Control. So it hasn't completely taken control of the format. Running out the top eight were Christian Oyaniter on Esper Legends, Guillermo Solimovic on Celestia Toxic, Marco Gait on Mono White Midrange, Diego Celis on Celestia Toxic, Luis Allende on Boros Midrange, and Sebastian Toledo on Rectos Midrange. Congratulations to everyone, and we'll look forward to seeing our champions at Worlds. Pro Tour March of the Machines is coming up in another month, from May 5th to 7th, and that's it. Back to you, Jank. Thank you, ISO. That takes us right up to our first break, and when we come back... Expensive magic cards, shocking. Some leaks, also shocking. And more. Oh, welcome now, all you listeners. Just sit on down by your radio boxes and tune on in to Grandpa Jank's Story Corner. It will be coming very, very soon. And I'll just give you the briefest of summaries of what's been going on with the magic story. All you need to do is get your popcorn and your egg creams and you can just listen on as Grampy tells you all about Phyrexia and the fall of Phyrexia, which wasn't as bad as the winter of Phyrexia where I had to walk uphill both ways to get to the next level of Mirrodin, or Nilvorexia as it's called nowadays, but in those days it was called Mirrodin. We're back! Another magic card has sold for 
Well, this time it's slightly more than half the price of a house. An artist-proof beta black lotus signed by Christopher Rush sold for $615,000. See, this is why no one plays vintage anymore. Well, that and the reserve list, and they don't allow proxies in official tournaments anymore. Yes, also all those things. The Mana Vortex watches the reserved list and hungers, waiting for its moment to strike, so it can devour it whole and erase its tangled presence, strangling the life out of the older formats like a bittersweet vine upon a tree. Before I ask this next question, I want to make it clear that the podcast is not taking a stance one way or the other on whether the reserve list should exist. Secondly, what planet are you from or on? One with a horrible real estate market. You know what? I'll give you that. Diz, what's the new set coming up look like? Release date is April 21st. Pre-release starts on April 14th, so we're coming right up on the start. This set brings us a number of new mechanics as well as a return of Plane Chase. Since the last Plane Chase set was 11 years ago, it's been a long time coming, and this time the Commander decks for the set will come with their own Plane Chase decks as well. Our first new mechanic is Backup. When a creature with Backup enters the battlefield, it puts plus one plus one counters on a creature. A creature with Backup 3 would put three counters on. If you target a creature other than the one entering, it also gains any abilities the original creature had until end of turn. Incubate will create a 0-0 incubator token with plus one plus one counters equal to its number, which then can be transformed into a creature for two mana. This happens at instant speed, so if you want to create a fast blocker or wait to transform it until after a board wipe, you have options. We're also seeing the return of Convoke, which lets you tap creatures to help cast spells. For a spell with Convoke, any creature can be tapped for mana of the creature's color. A highlight from the set is Archangel Elspeth, who comes in with 4 loyalty and can immediately protect herself with a plus 1 soldier creating ability. She also has a minus 2 that lets her grant plus 1 plus 1 counters and flying to other creatures, and her ult lets her bring back every 3 mana and under permanent from your graveyard. All for 2 and 2 white. I look forward to trying out the set, and now back to you. Thanks, Biz. This set looks much more at my speed than the last one was. I also hear that the list has received new updates. List? What list? You know, the list. Right, because there's only one with the definite article. And you keep telling me Urza isn't running Wizards customer support. Kit, customer support has nothing to do with what is on or off the list. I suppose that's possible. Maybe Mark Rosewater has been exposed to Sin's toxin. That's still the wrong game. And we are not a speculative news show. The Mana Vortex does not speculate. It does not imagine. It merely affects the world as it wishes it to be. Does the Mana Vortex inspire leaks as well? Of course not. The Mana Vortex values mystery and suspense. It would never seek to ruin such things. But I may have spoken too soon at the beginning of the show when I said no one was behaving badly this week. Someone has behaved very badly indeed. Tie-in cards for the Dungeons and Dragons movie appeared on a Facebook ad in Singapore before the secret lair was officially announced or released and rapidly spread across the internet, as, you know, leaks tend to. This does sound, I will note, like something that could perfectly well have been an accident, 
you know, because ads have gone live early for all sorts of properties before. True. The secret lair is now live, and some people have already received theirs. Is it me, or should the Dungeons and Dragons tie-in have party? I'm not sure anyone likes party, let alone needs party. But you have to admit, it's very flavorful. Yeah, maybe with fava beans and a nice key on tea. Now who's being overly dramatic? And you really should do the hiss if you're going to make that quote. Uh, I think I'll actually just leave the ridiculous noises to you. That's kind of your thing. I am a paragon of grace, remember? I am never ridiculous. I am simply a woman of depths. Speaking of depths, we're deep enough into the episode to go to our second commercial break. When we come back, news talk, and startlingly enough, wizards actually admitting to and working to fix a mistake. Hi there, it's your friendly local news anchor, Jank E, and I've got a message just for our listeners. You may notice when you're listening to this episode, as well as the next one, that the information we're giving you is, to put it very lightly, somewhat out of date. Uh, The short version for that is that we don't know why. Uh, All we know is we've had some sort of technological issue um, that we hope now has been resolved. Um, In the event that it hasn't, we're still working on it. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe Kit's right and I am cursed by the Man of Vortex. Not that she'll ever hear me actually say those words. Um, But regardless, we thank you for your patience as we work through this, and we still are going to put out the episodes that we are missing. Uh, If not, just to catch back up, just so that you can hear the great interviews we've had over those episodes. Anyway, again, thank you for your patience, thank you for your support, and uh, we hope that you... Stick with us. And we're back. This edition of News Talk, I have Mr. Bevers. And welcome to News Talk. This edition, I have with me the one, the only, the incomparable Mr. Bevers. Mr. B, thank you so much for joining. Well, no, my pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure to have you here. Uh, for those who do not have a lot of familiarity with you, could you give a brief just summary of who you are related to magic and the magic community? Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll try to be brief, but I tend to ramble and people <laughs> who know me will know that. Um, but uh, I crack a lot of booster packs on YouTube. It's where I got my start. Um, I've been opening up booster products since about Shadows Over Innistrad on YouTube. Um, so, you know, it's been a number of years now. And uh, then about two years ago, three years ago, I moved into doing commander content on Twitch, um, uh, specifically uh, looking at doing chat chaos commander, uh, because I figured, you know, uh, what was a better way to, you know, help the community be engaged with the game than letting them do stuff to it while we play. Right. So right. Uh, that's kind of the basics of where you can find me and what I'm kind of doing in the community. The the chat chaos you mentioned, that's the main reason that you're here today. Um, it's it's exactly what it sounds like for our listeners who don't know. There's chaos due to the chat. Um, and in just a second, I'll give you the opportunity to explain a little bit more about how you structure yours. Um, 
But first and foremost, I I don't know if it's completely fair to say this, but it doesn't feel like it's unfair to call you kind of the progenitor of this format, at least do at least at its current popularity level for for stream formats. Right. I mean, I, I I guess I guess that's fair to say. Like, I, I think a lot of people that are are, uh, you know, creating in, in the Twitch space or part of the MTG community on Twitch and, you know, EDH kind of community spaces. Right. Uh, will probably say the same thing. Um, I know uh, for a fact that uh, I'm not that uh, and that I didn't necessarily take this idea from anywhere other than myself, but it was I do know that it was something that did happen actually at some of the command fests that were run by Channel Fireball. Um, they did do some live streams from those events back in what, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there yeah, um, where they had done pre- things where it's like if people donate so, X yeah. amount of dollars, you know, target right. player draws a card or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like they did do stuff like that. I was actually unaware of those things until after I started doing mine. And then someone else pointed it out to me and I went, oh, yeah, it's kind of like that. You're right. <laughs> um, and of course, even now, you're not necessarily the only creator who does that because uh, number one ranking guest, uh, Beth, Queen of Cardboard, is also fairly, fairly involved with that kind of thing as well. But every creator who has it has their own spin on it. It's not that y'all are just copying each other's exact things. Um, And it's not that at least from a viewer standpoint, from my standpoint, it doesn't look like there's a competition amongst y'all to have the best chaos or anything, but uh, focusing on you specifically, what was it that brought this concept to you? Or what was it that brought it to your, to the forefront of your mind and made you say, this is how I want my stream to look. So, I mean, I, I took a lot of inspiration from my Twitch experience prior to starting MTG. I've been on Twitch for about, seven or eight years now. Um, and I was doing uh, a lot of indie game streams. You know, I was a variety streamer before I was doing MTG. And basically what I had noticed was that the games that got the most engagement from my chat and got the most viewership from my from my Twitch streams were the games where they could actually impact the game that I was playing. So, you know, there was things using crowd control for certain video games or like there are other games out there that have like Twitch integration that allow you to do stuff to the game as the person's playing it, all those kinds of things. I noticed that those were things that were keeping people's attention and keeping them around and retained as viewers for a longer period of time. And I went, okay, so they actually enjoy being a part of the experience, not just, Mm -hmm. you know, watching the stream for the entertainment, but also enjoying that engagement. Right. Um, Right. Because it's, another way to engage. Now I'm going to talk about something here. That's a little, maybe a little bit personal to me. Um, and no, I don't know. Ever, I can't say everybody has this kind of thing, but I have an issue. I have a, I have an issue with reading. Okay. Um, so like I have a really, uh, I have a comprehension issue with reading at a timely fashion. So Twitch chat is very hard for me to keep up with. Um, yeah. when people are talking in Twitch chat, me reading it in real time, especially when I'm playing a variety video game, it's near impossible for me. So when I added these integration things, it made it feel like I was actually engaging with my community more than just, you know, reading an occasional message off the screen when I had a chance to do so. Right. Um, And I think that made my community feel 
more connected as well. And so then when I started doing the EDH, I was like, you know what? Why not do the same thing? Like make it so that they can spend their channel points that now Twitch is integrated into Twitch itself to do stuff, right? It gives my viewers something to spend their points on. Like I had, I have some viewers who have been watching me since I started streaming on Twitch who have, you know, hundreds of thousands of points, right? And before <laughs> I started doing my MTG stuff, they didn't really have anything to spend those points on, right? right. So, um, you know, what what better way to give them some sort of interaction and use this tool that Twitch has put in front of us than, than to make it so that they can actually do things to the game that we're playing. How exactly does cat chaos, chat chaos work? Uh, and just using some of your rewards as an example, since as we said, people who do this don't necessarily have the same options yeah absolutely so i mean like um i sort of start every stream off the same way um when i introduce the show to you know the viewership uh and it's going to be part of like the the vods when they go up on youtube which will be going up on youtube at some point when i get a chance to actually cut them up and get them out there but basically the way it works is everything that chat redeems is done at sorcery speed and it does utilize the stack um and the reason i do it that way um, is it allows not only for uh, the delay of Twitch for mm. certain viewers who may be on a delay or anything like that. It also allows the players in the game to feel like they can still engage with the chat as well and not just get blown out by chat doing something that might, you know, completely ruin their turn or whatever, right? Um, right. So this allows them to then interact with things. It also then prevents things from happening kind of like, out of sequence i guess right so like if if chat tries to you know do something to somebody in the middle of a combat step it won't necessarily work because it's obviously that they're doing everything at sorcery speed so their chats redemptions won't trigger until the next main phase um right because we've had some interesting scenarios and this is just for me learning over time right like i've been doing chat chaos for full interview can be found at mtgnexus.com and finally, we have some quick housekeeping notes from Wizards themselves. Furnace Host Charger, an upcoming card for March of the Machine, had an artist that was incorrectly credited. It was originally listed as Daniel Romanovsky on all copies of the card in every language. However, the art was actually done by Andreas Zafaratos. And Watsi takes pains to note that it will appear correctly on the artist proofs, gatherer, arena, and magic online, but makes no mention of whether they'll be of whether they'll be correcting the paper cards in future printings. And of course, with the release less than two weeks away, it makes it impossible to fix on the current physical cards. Still, getting the artist wrong seems like a bit of a careless mistake. Hardly the first, but, you know, just a bit. Wizards has also announced that tabletop pre-releases will continue to take place before the digital ones. So, you know, there will still be early access events, but you get your own early access in person. Lovely to see everyone refocusing on The Gathering. Now, if only COVID would die down enough to feel safe going to sit in my local game store's basement for four hours. Says the girl who's going to a hotel to spend four hours pretending she's a ghost. Where there's an actual mask requirement and not just a strongly recommended. Okay, first of all, some stores do still recommend. Secondly, we 
technically accomplish the goal of flattening the curve by Easter because they never said which Easter. And thirdly, this is what you do for fun? Oh, like you've never LARPed. I, in fact, have not ever LARPed. You're missing out. It's fun. Debatable. That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.